It's time for another episode of Rainmaker for Contractors. Interviews and success stories with million-dollar-plus basement waterproofing and foundation repair owners. Discover how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your industry. With your host and Rainmaker for Contractors owner, Bill Crawford. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast. I'm super excited today because we're being joined by Shannon Weinstein from Financial Solutions. Shannon, welcome. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Hey, today we're going to be talking about some tax strategies for waterproofing contractors. It's been in the news that the IRS has hired a bunch of auditors, so we're going to talk about different strategies and mistakes to avoid. Shannon, can you start us out by giving us a little background about your your world of accounting? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm a CPA. I've been a CPA since 2009. I became an accountant because I lost a bet with my dad. So it wasn't exactly a you know, desired career path for a teenage girl back in like the early 2000s. Wow. I, I was... Um, I, I, I basically got licensed. I fell in love with learning a new language. It's really fun. Uh, and what I ended up doing was uh, I worked in big four accounting. I worked for major corporations, fortune 50 companies, and eventually just kind of said, I would much rather help the small business owner. I would much rather help the person who mm. is creating jobs, who's building business locally. Cause I think that's the backbone of our economy. So I wanted to make more of an impact and go off on my own, which is what I did about three years ago. And uh, super, super happy with that decision. Uh, and I am married to Jason Weinstein, who uh, I believe is former BHA president. And uh, he is such a savvy business owner in the basement health space. And he has taught me a lot about home improvement that I didn't know coming from a city <laughs> where I lived in a condo. Uh, and uh, helping him with his tax stuff and accounting stuff has you know, helped evolve my business as well. You know, I, I've worked with Jason for a long time. I've been on the board with Jason of the Basement Health Association. And by far, no one would dispute what I'm going to say in that he has been the best person to study and examine and improve the Basement Health Association financials than anybody. And that he brings in his uh, budget dry waterproofing ownership experience and all of his accounting experience and that you're married to him and that you actually helped improve his game in that world, like that's a huge credential. So hats off to you. Hey, quick question. Mm -hmm. Did your dad, is your dad an accountant? He was, yeah. He passed okay. in 2013, but he was a lifelong accountant. And ever since I was a little kid, he would say, do you want to be an accountant when you grow up? And I'd say, no, because uh, I didn't know what that meant, but I didn't want to make him happy because who wants to do that? And uh, yeah. And then he kind of like dared me to take an accounting class and said, if you hate it, I'll never bug you again. If you love it, you have to major in it. And wow. that's, how, that's how that turned out. Pretty cool. It's, yeah. I'm so impressed with what you've done with your company and all the different accountants that you work with. Mm -hmm. So why do contractors hate looking at their financial statements? Because most contractors didn't get into business to run a business. They wanted to do the work or they wanted to do all the other elements of what it takes to be a business owner. It's not the sexiest part of running a business is knowing your numbers. It's kind of the, it's like, why don't we, you know, why don't we like looking at our, our weight, our diet, our other things that annoy us that are technically good for us. 
you know, uh, it, it's just not a, it's a discipline that not a lot of people enjoy and I don't expect them to, but I know that avoiding it is one of the number one ways to make it worse. Kind of like when you're sick, you know, don't, don't not treat it. Don't let it sit there. Don't let it grow, uh, address problems as they come up. Mm. Kind of like, you know, Hey, I'm sick. I should go to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Gotta go there. Okay. It's going to help for sure. And you know what, um, I work with a lot of contractors and hey, it's it's a lot about profitability, but it's funny that we don't actually want to look at that stuff. We don't want to get bogged down on the numbers. We'd rather just go, you know, go run another lead or go go into another meeting. And But why are we doing all this stuff to help improve our financial? Uh, exactly. And if you're if you're pouring water into a bucket with a hole in it, it doesn't matter. So if you're out there trying to get more leads, trying to make more sales and exhausting yourself, trying to bring more revenue in to a machine that is leaking cash, mm. it doesn't matter how hard you're working. You're really just running on a treadmill in place and not going anywhere and you're exhausting yourself. So we we have a very strong uh, focus in my, in my CFO practice. We focus on cash flow, which is, in my opinion, a better measure of your health than profitability. Profitability is key. But cash flow is really how strong and how healthy is your business and how is it burning through money so you know how you know how long you can last. Look what happened with COVID. We had um especially since COVID, we've put a heavy focus on understanding your what we call burn rate, which is all of the expenses that you have to pay that are committed to by you. Like if if you were shut down, which many of you were, if you were shut down for six months, how long could you stay open? Uh, if you had no customers coming in, no new sales, no new leads. And we measure that for our clients because that's a really important factor to understand is how much is in your cash reserve. Do you have enough? And can you sustain a an act of God or other external factor beyond your control? Absolutely. That's great. And I love the water in the bucket and with holes in it. Like that's such a great analogy. And I, you know, how how many of us are running around with our head cut off trying to just pour more water in that bucket. And we don't really want to see that there's holes in there. So good. That's awesome. Love it. So are there common mistakes that you see either small business owners or contractors kind of making on a regular basis outside of not really even want to look at their financial statements? I think the biggest one is that because when you're not aware of what the problems are, there are a lot of other problems that that grow bigger. Uh, beyond that, I would say what you said, which is pouring more revenue in thinking there's only one side to the equation. It's like saying you can out exercise a bad diet. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and then I would say another mistake is just not planning ahead not being proactive. The biggest thing I see is a lot of small business owners, contractors included, who think that the IRS somehow has this magic eight ball. They shake every year that says you owe this like they have no control over it. They they accept their fate. They they show up and they say, okay, tell me what I owe, right? Or tell me what happened. Uh, and they don't take control of the outcome of that story. So right. what happens is your tax return tells the story of how your money spent the year. You can either publish that story with your accountant based on what you wrote, or you can have someone co-author that with you throughout the year hmm. and determine how it ends. And that's the difference between, in my opinion, excuse me, in my opinion, a tax preparer and a tax strategist, because what we're trying to do is change the end of the story in your favor. And a lot, what a lot of uh, business owners don't do is they don't think proactively around taxes. They're not thinking about how can I lower my tax bill? How can I lower my tax liability during the year constantly 
and always have that be part of my strategy. Instead, they're just going after the fact, reactively paying what they owe and just taking the hit. And it doesn't have to be that way. Nice. I like it. You said something before we opened, which I thought was really interesting. If you can comment more on it, you said mm-hmm. that the IRS doesn't care what you what you do. It's how much you make. Yeah, I said the IRS doesn't care what you do. They care what you make. So when we were talking about it, you know, industry agnostic, right? The strategies that we that we implement for business owners can be implemented for almost any type of business, as long as they make sense to the business owner. So, you know, you're not at an inherent advantage or disadvantage being in certain industries to implement certain tax strategies. Uh, It really matters how much you make and what you're looking to do for your goals. Mm -hmm. So we always say, um, our goal is tax optimization. We don't say minimization because that could be one of the goals, but maybe you actually want to show more income because you're looking to buy a home, or maybe you want to uh, you want to save up for retirement and you want to max that out. So we need to adjust certain things that may not be a tax advantage, but the primary goal is retirement savings. So we have to compromise on certain tax strategies in order to accomplish that. So I say optimization because it all has to anchor back to the goals of the client. Nice, nice. And so uh, I know you're going to be speaking. You're a keynote speaker at the Basement Health Association Conference this fall, actually next month. Give a plug for that. It's September 20th through 22nd. Mm-hmm. I hope I'll register and show up and hear Shannon and a couple other really important keynote speakers. But can you give us a little bit about what you're going to talk about? What are what are some tax strategies that are sometimes overlooked and we should be taking advantage of? Yeah, so there's... You know, when we talk about tax strategies, there's so many different ways to to lower your tax bill and take control of that. The biggest thing, if you don't know this as a business owner, generally, no matter what type of entity you are, which we can talk about in the conference, right, is how to optimize your business entity. But no matter what type of entity you have, uh, your goal is to lower the perceived profit on paper. So from a tax standpoint, you want to be at the lowest possible profit because that's what you're taxed on. So we have strategies designed to help lower that profit without you spending more money. That's the goal. So, you know, of course you can spend all your money and have no profit, but that's not the goal of a business. So we want to show things like depreciation. We want to show strategies like uh, hiring your kids into your business. You can pay your kids up to $12,950 a year and tax-free and invest that in their retirement or their college savings. So there's a whole lot of things that you can do to minimize your tax burden, keep your money in your household, but also, you know, and also run your business with a strong cash position. So you don't have to compromise on all of that. You can do all of those things, uh, including using your home office, renting out your home to your business and and tons of other things. We're going to cover a few of those in a bit more depth and answer questions on that uh, in Atlantic City. I can't wait. Those are some big topics. Uh, you know, it makes me think there's this money sitting on the table that we're giving to the government because we want to support all those, you know, big road investments and all their school agendas and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, they didn't earn a tip. There's no need to leave them a tip. Right. They right. only, you only have to pay what you legally owe and nothing more. But what the IRS does is they created a really complicated tax code uh, that is 95% deductions. It's 5% what you have to pay or what income is. 
and it's 95% what you don't have to pay in taxes. The thing is that nobody read the rule book. Nobody bothered to study the rule book. And, you know, they bank on that. They know that, hey, they'll just pay it. You know, we're going to get more money because most taxpayers are overpaying because they don't know how to navigate the code or know the rules of the game. So the only way to win is to learn the rules or find someone who knows them. Nice. Well said. Hey, we've had a lot of news report about a bunch of IRS auditors have been hired. Can you say more about that? What do we need to know about that? And what do we have concerns about that? Yeah, so they haven't been hired yet. What we have is um, the Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, as of this recording, I believe it's going to the House. But uh, what what is going to come of that is a lot more funding into the IRS enforcement. So what that means is that it's, you know, we've kind of had it easy over the last two years because the IRS has been in such a backlog and they have 1990s technology. I mean, they're still operating off of fax machines um, and we're calling agents and, and they're not exactly, I mean, these are the folks who they work at the DMV or they work in other government agencies. We're not talking about like guys in suits who know the tax code in and out. We're talking about regular American people from the Midwest. And they're trying to field all these questions. They're trying to process all these returns. Um, I talked to an IRS agent in Kentucky, Kentucky, I think, and uh, or Tennessee, and there were like five box trucks outside their office of paperwork that they hadn't processed yet. Things are taking uh, 18 months more than they should. It's a really bad backlog. So we have been, as taxpayers, somewhat spoiled in the sense that we have not really been audited. Many of us have not undergone a serious audit in the last few years since COVID, but they're on a mission to eliminate that backlog. They're on a mission to heighten enforcement and they're specifically targeting certain areas of taxpayers. Um, you know, and, and one thing they're going to be looking for, for example, is, uh, if you have an S corporation, they're going to be looking to make sure that your compensation for you and your officers are reasonable. So if you're an owner of an S corporation, you need to pay yourself reasonable compensation. That is going to be one thing they're actually implementing AI technology to scan and to do some type of analysis. So as the IRS kind of evolves, it puts more taxpayers I'd say at risk, but I don't want to over-dramatize it, but at risk of getting audited. Um, And, you know, what comes along with that is heightened expectations of you having documentation and being ready for these audits, uh, including auditing, you know, 2019, 20, 21, 22. And Lord knows I've lost all concept of time for the last two years. And the idea of me having to pull something out from 2019 and explain it or 2020 and explain it, it's a huge headache. So I always encourage folks to keep good records and be ready for that. Uh, But yeah, audits are going to be coming. They're talking about hiring 87,000 new auditors or enforcement agents. Uh, The Babylon Bee, which I I think is hilarious. They came out with an article that was like a, uh, I like uh, Congress now um, appointing IRS agents to live in your home, like one per household. It's uh, hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. that's what it's going to feel like. It's going to feel like you're uh, you're not in trouble if you get audited. By the way, it's just some random you know uh, generator of some kind, and and they look at a- they use the AI to scan for certain traits or characteristics they look for. Uh, but the best thing you can do is essentially be audit proof, have a pro on your side and, and be, uh, be mindful of what your decisions mean for your taxes. Mm. So if I could go to that one area that you just 
spoke about if I'm the general manager of an S corp and I'm running a basin waterproofing company and mm-hmm. paying myself, you know, let's say I'm paying myself 35,000 because I don't want to pay taxes, but the going rate for a general manager maybe is a hundred or 150,000 and it's a big company. The IRS would probably look at that saying like, Hey, you're, you're avoiding taxes here. You know, the market rate is, is action. You're paying yourself. Why is that an example? Yeah, but the market rate is one point of reference. So we look at the market rate. We look at how much time are you spending as the general manager or as the owner versus in the business as a as running it. So there's like the day-to-day running of the business where you are acting as general manager. But then there's also the time you're spending acting as an owner, making decisions, sitting in that CEO chair and mindset. And we distinguish between those two functions as an owner versus in the business versus on the business, we put it. So- when are you working inside the business versus uh, versus on it? We also look at your profit level. So if you're, in your example, if your going rate is like $100,000 and you're paying yourself 35, I'd say that's fine if your profit is like, you know, 70K, mm-hmm. right? If your profit is only at a certain level, you can't afford to pay yourself 100K on 70K. So you're going to have to find a reasonable salary given profit levels, given performance, uh, given history. You have to look at your other employees. What do they make? And should you be making less than them? Should you be making more than them? Uh, The IRS looks at all of these different considerations. And so do we when we do an analysis of salary for an S-corp. I like it. I like it. Hey, when you when you work with a new client, what is the what's the steps of kind of onboarding? Is there kind of an introductory phone call and how long does that last and what, what's that look like? So uh, it depends on the service, right? Because we do fractional CFO and we do tax strategy. Uh, and what we do is if it's tax strategy, for example, the whole first call is a kickoff uh, discussing goals and really the same thing for CFO. The first thing we need to know is what are your goals? What's on your mind? Are there any things keeping you up at night? Is there anything that is front of mind? And are there any quick wins? Like, could we implement something really quick that will help you save money in taxes from the get-go? One of the first things we look at is, is your entity optimized? So are you an S-corporation if you are profiting more than $40,000 a year? If you are profiting more than $40,000 a year, you probably, I'd say eight, eight, nine times out of 10, you probably should be an S-corp. Um, otherwise, you're leaving money on the table in the form of overpaid self-employment taxes. And most people don't even know that because that self-employment tax is hidden in that additional taxes page of your tax return that you never really see. You just see this bill. And I would I would challenge anyone who is running an LLC uh, that isn't taxed as an S-corp to look at the tax return, look at the self-employment taxes and look at how much you owed and see how much of a difference that would make if most of that were gone. That is what you could expect to save with an S-corp. Nice, nice strategy. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that? So my website is fitnancialsolutions.com. I'm actually really active on social media as well on Instagram. And I have a podcast called Keep What You Earn. And you can find out more about me through all of those different channels. Podcast is called Keep What You Earn. Mm-hmm. What a great name. Everyone wants to keep what they earn. That's exactly. Awesome. Great. Hey, Shannon, we'll be speaking at the Basement Health Association Conference in Atlantic City, September 20th through 22nd. If you'd like to hear more, please show up. If you're in the basement waterproofing industry, please show up. It's uh, it's going to be a great conference with a lot of good networking, a lot of good teachers giving us great information. 
Shannon, thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast, where basement waterproofing and foundation repair business owners and industry experts share marketing and sales information that helps you reach more customers. Please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and get all of our show notes at rainmakerforcontractors.com slash podcast.